It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. Great to be living in the only capital city in Australia that this weekend is not experiencing a heat wave. Yet another reminder that the West Coast is the best coast, right? Come on now. Sophia's in the back with a hoodie on. I mean, hello. Talk about making a statement right there. Take a photo, send it to everyone you know on the East Coast. Yeah. Great to be living in P-Town. Hey, uh... One of the breakout singers over the last uh, few years is a a singer named Olivia Rodrigo. Anybody heard of Olivia Rodrigo? Okay, those of you that have been living under a rock, obviously not. Uh, Her debut single was a song called Driver's License, uh, 2021. She released an album called Sour, which uh, she won three Grammy Awards for. So pretty popular stuff. And I really like her. I like her voice. It's really, it's, I think it's fantastic. The, the, the melody and so on and so forth of her songs are super, super catchy. They're one of those, like you get some certain earworms hanging around after you've been listening to that. But there's this an X factor. This is just in my humble opinion, having sort of sliced and diced what is the key to her success. Uh, there's an X factor that I think goes a little bit unnoticed when people talk about why is Olivia Rodrigo so successful? When you go back and listen to her songs of her debut album, they're pretty much all teenage breakup themed songs. So this is my theory right there. She's captured two significant audiences. One, teenagers right now who are listening to those songs and thinking, oh my gosh, Olivia, she gets me. And then a whole nother group of people who are no longer teenagers, but whose memory is still functioning and can think back to when they went through the whole teenage breakup phase and go, oh my gosh, that is so, so true. And, And when we kind of hear these things, you know, song lyrics, and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, boy, that person's put words to what I'm feeling. Or it's someone in your life that you're experiencing something, and they can go beyond sympathy, which sympathy's like, oh, that's a shame, to this heightened superpower called empathy. See, the thing about empathy that, that takes it from sympathy to this superpower is Empathy can only be extended to you by someone who's actually been through or is going through what you're going through. So it's not a theory then. It's not a, oh, poor thing. It's like, yeah, I completely, completely get what you're going through because I've been there or I'm going through it myself right now. And one of the things about empathy that makes it a superpower is you get to be reminded that it's not just you, that you're not the first, that you're not alone. And by the way, the the absolute pinnacle of empathy is somebody that's been through what you're going through and they've actually come out the other side. They've actually gone through it and lived to tell the story. They're proof positive that this is not going to be the end of it for you. There's a connection there. And this whole dynamic 
even plays out in the area of faith. When, when, when you, now of course no one here has done this, but just, you know, speaking for a friend of yours, who's ever asked questions about who God is, whether God cares, you know, what, what's He like? Who does He like? Does He even like me? And we tend to ask these questions when we're bumping up against something, something challenging. Does God really care? Is God really interested? Has God lost my number? And then we come across somebody who can say to us, you know what, I've been through that. And, and, and I can tell you from my experience, it's asked and answered. And I'm gonna actually be willing to go through that journey with you. And if you've ever asked those sorts of questions around God, <laughs> you're not the first. And I wanna encourage us this morning that it actually can happen to the best of them, even happen to people who pretty much have no reason or no excuse for asking those sorts of questions. So if you've got your uh, smartphone camera, you can scan this flow code. It's gonna take you to John chapter 14. Now, John was one of Jesus' hand-picked 12. He was there right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He had a front row seat literally for the three and a half years that Jesus uh, was involved in public ministry. So what John's recording is actually a first-hand eyewitness account. He's, he writes from the point of view of when we were walking, when we were sitting, when we were listening, when we were praying. And what we're going to pick up in this slice of history is uh, Jesus and His hand-picked 12 had actually uh, journeyed on foot from Galilee to Jerusalem to celebrate, or so they thought, the annual Jewish Passover meal, which is an annual custom, but for this particular group, it was very different. In fact, today, because we kind of know how the story played out, we now refer to that meal as the Last Supper. Okay. Jesus was hours away from being arrested, several more hours away from being killed, and, and he was trying to explain what was about to happen to his handpicked 12. He's saying, I'm about to be arrested. I'm going to be killed. The reason I'm going to be arrested is one of you is going to betray me. And they're all like, not me, not me. Then after I get arrested, one of you is going to deny me. They're like, no, no, not me, not me. And then he said this, one of the most unhelpful things you're ever going to hear and you know this when people say this sort of thing, and I'm just gonna paraphrase it. After Jesus had announced all this, I'm gonna be arrested because one of you is gonna betray me, then I'm gonna be killed. And when I'm in that sort of jury process, one of you is gonna deny me. Uh, but listen, look, fellas, I know this is all a lot to take in, but don't let this rattle you. Well, you read the story for yourself, you'll discover they let this rattle them. Things were spinning out of control. And so Philip, one of the 12, pipes up and says, all right, Lord, let's just cut to the chase. Show us the Father 
and we'll be satisfied. We don't understand anything of what you're talking about. We have no comprehension of what's about to happen. We don't get this at all. We, we may never understand, but look, the thing that's gonna help us in this moment is just, can you just show us the Father? And we'll be satisfied. You know, if we know that God's paying attention, then we know everything will be fine. And I wonder if you've ever been in that type of situation. And if you have, whether you've kind of shouted that out, God, can you just give me a sign that you're paying attention? Can you just, can you just let me know that while everything's spinning out of control in my life and I feel like I've got almost no levers to pull things back in, can you just let me know that you're interested? Can you just let me know that, that you're still large and in charge? Because if I know that, even while I don't understand and I, don't, I can't see a, a way out of this, just knowing that you are still on the throne, not of the world, also of my world, then I feel like I'll be satisfied. I feel like I'll be able to get through this. Now, last week we launched this series, Reasons for the Season. And it's riffing on a catchphrase that kind of pops its head up in December-ish in sort of church circles and social media these days. You know, keep Christ in Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. I love that. Uh, but I made the point last week that the idea that Jesus is the reason for the season, whilst I don't think it's wrong, I simply think it's one half or one side of the coin. Because this, this other side of the coin, and this is what we focused on last week, is that you and I are also the reason for the season. That if we weren't such a mess, <laughs> God would never have had to send His Son into the world and into our world to rescue us. No mess requires no rescue, but because the world's messed up, because our worlds were messed up, God moved first we, we triggered him moving first, sending his son Jesus into the world. But then not just to make the world better off, not just to make our world better off, but also to then release us, to restore us and get some stuff right, to then send us into the world. So it's not just that Jesus is a blessing to the whole world. It's that the world is better off because you and I, who've been rescued, are active in the world, the body of Jesus. So Philip throws it out there. Lord, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Which is a pretty big request. Show us the Father. Like, what's He look like? Just show us. What, what's He think like? Just show us. What does He act like? Like, just show us. Give us some clarity and we'll be satisfied. <laughs> it's a big ask. Because anyone here, if I said, put it into five words, what God looks like, acts like, thinks like, it's like, it's so easy to get it wrong. You know, if we were out there shoving a microphone in people's faces, do you believe in some sort of God, supernatural, higher power? Anybody that said yes to that, if you follow them up, well, Explain what that God looks like or does or thinks or prioritises. I would think some people would be able to put an answer to that. 
<laughs> I expect we'll get a, quite a variety of answers. And I also suspect, and I don't say this arrogantly, I also suspect that none of them will be 100% accurate because it's so easy to misunderstand and misrepresent God. And you know this. And the reason I know you know this is because many of you have changed your mind about who God is over time. That who you thought He was, you now have a different understanding and definition as you've gone on a journey. And if that's your story, you're not the first. In fact, I'm gonna show you, I think he's probably the preeminent poster boy for somebody who changed his mind about who God is. In fact, this is somebody that entered the pages of history as like this high-powered, high-profile Jewish religious leader who bragged and boasted that he was right about God and he was sure that he was right with God. Like he was on public record. I know all there is to know about God and I am right with God. And yet this same man over the course of just a half an afternoon changed his mind 180 degrees about whether or not he was right about God and whether or not he was right with God. And the turning point for him is that he met the person of Jesus. Now, his name's Paul Yoel. And uh, this is what he wrote to one church, the church in Philippi. As for righteousness, as for being right with God, as for doing everything right, I obeyed the law without fault. If, if you were to score me out of 100, I would score 100. I was right about God and I was right with God. This was on his LinkedIn bio. Then he met Jesus and he updated his LinkedIn bio to this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners <laughs> and I'm the worst of all. He went, he put himself from the front of the queue to the back of the queue. It's like, what in the world happened? He met Jesus. That's what happened. He wrote another letter. He wrote several letters. He wrote another letter to the church in a place called Colossae. And he was sort of riffing with them about, because a lot of the early believers were Jewish people. And, and so they kind of got it, the world that Paul had come from. You know, he's sort of riffing about the, the rites and the customs and the practices and the rituals and all those things that the Jewish people had been uh, practicing as devoutly as they could, which he claimed to be 100% devoutly practicing throughout centuries of history, Paul referred to them as being only shadows of the reality yet to come. He didn't say they were bad, evil, just that they weren't complete, that they were a little bit lacking. Because the thing about shadows is you can tell some things about somebody or an object by its shadow. 
but you can't tell everything. You can't see all the detail. Here's one. Check this out. So if you look at the shadow, you think you know what you're looking at, but, you, but the shadow, it tells you something, but it doesn't tell you everything. It leaves too much to guesswork. So Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he's saying to them that these rules and everything that we've been doing for centuries, not bad, but they're just shadows. They're not complete. They're not clear. They point to something, but they don't fully reveal what or who that something is. See, until the arrival of Jesus, everybody guessed. What's God like? Well, uh, I read, uh, my great-grandfather told me about, uh, there was this time when, uh, but everyone guessed that there were, there were pieces, there were shadows, but they weren't the complete picture. Now, we're gonna be done here at 11. Stick around, have coffee. Uh, when it comes 11 a.m., there will still be mystery in your head, despite how brilliant this message is. There will still be mystery about who God is and about what God's like. Because we, we will never fully understand this side of eternity, everything there is to know about God. That said... One of the reasons for the season is God sent Jesus into the world to show us what God's like in the clearest way possible. You want to know what God's like? I'm going to send you my son in human form, God in a bod. And he's going to show you what God's like, who God likes, what God does, it's, you, you, you will still not fully get it, but it will be the clearest picture so far. So, all right, back to the Last Supper. Jesus gathered with His hand-picked 12. They're having their Passover meal. They'd marched with Jesus into Jerusalem thinking He was King, but, but not like King in the spiritual sense, they literally thought that Jesus was somehow going to do some dark arts, black magic stuff and overthrow the Roman occupiers and actually insert himself as the political king headquartered in Jerusalem. And, they, and then they, they then thought, okay, wow, we're close to the king. So when Jesus overthrows the Romans, things are gonna go really well for us. Like after three and a half years of following this guy around, we are gonna be in the hot seat for the best positions and the best privileges. And man, when this guy becomes king, whew. So they're sitting around having this meal with great anticipation. Any day now, he's gonna be the king. And we're gonna be here, the cabinet, the, the vice premiers. And Jesus starts talking about the fact that he's about to be betrayed by one of them. And that that betrayal is gonna lead to his arrest. And that when he gets arrested, one of them's gonna deny him and then he's gonna be put to trial and he's ultimately gonna be put to death. And they're like, uh, 
doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like why we're here in Jerusalem with the king. Again, Jesus tells them this. I said earlier, this is very unhelpful. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, like when people are getting spun up and you say, just calm down. And they say, I'll calm down when I want, want to calm down. Never in the history of calm down has been told to calm down, helped anybody calm down. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Jesus was equating himself with God. And it's crazy it would have sounded his disciples, they stuck around and Jesus continued, there's more than enough room in my father's home. Okay. What? You're going back to live with your parents. Uh, If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Look, when everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. So this is what's running through their heads because this is what they're hearing Jesus tell them. I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. I'm going to be arrested. One of you is going to deny me. I'm going to be uh, committed to uh, be killed. I'm going to be killed. Then I'm going to leave you where I'm going. I'm going to go to my father's home. You can't come with me. But after a while of being in my father's home, because there's plenty of rooms there and I've prepared rooms for all of you, I'm going to come back and get you. So you don't have to be troubled. Just wait, just hang around. I'll come and get you. And then when I've got you, you'll be able to come and be with me and live with me forever. Like, what? None of this makes sense. And so you can picture this, these 12 looking at each other, looking at, and just, just despite what Leonardo da Vinci said, they weren't all sitting around on one side of the table, okay, while da Vinci painted them. They were just around. They're like, is anybody going to say something? Well, yes. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? If I was a betting man, and I'm not, I'd bet some of you have asked this or made this declaration. Jesus, I don't know what to do next. I, 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 we don't know the way. How, how can we go where you're going? We don't, we don't know the way. And Jesus told him, I am the way. The way isn't a path. The way is a person. You don't follow a path, you follow a person. I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, some of you church veterans, you've read this before. How many people have read this before? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Yeah, yeah, okay, good on you, me too. Uh, and, and, and this is typically thrown around when we want to kind of tell people or be reminded ourselves of how to, to, to get eternal life. Like th- do this and you'll get into heaven. And, and, and whilst that's true, in this context, Jesus is saying something a little bit different, a little bit more obscure. He's saying to Thomas, if you want to know what God is like, 
don't look past me. I am here standing right in front of you. I am showing you what God's like. No one can come to the Father except through me, except understanding who I am. And if you understand who I am, you'll better understand who God is. Jesus is equating himself with God again. And in that culture, you did not do that. There's a word, it's called blasphemy. So this would have been blasphemy. Well, this would have either have been blasphemy on an unforgivable scale (laughs) or it would be true. Jesus said, if, if you'd really known me, you would know who my father is. He just keeps banging on about this idea that he's equating himself with God. From now on, you do know him. And for the first time in history, have seen him. I came to reduce the mystery. I am as clear as it gets. That's one of the main reasons I grabbed you guys, scooped you up and dragged you around for three and a half years so you would have a front row seat to see what God's like, who God's like, how God acts, who God loves, what God prioritises. You've literally seen that. Those questions have been asked and answered by me. Jesus came to show us what God is like. And great, it sounds plausible. I know many of you, I know your stories, I know you're convinced. Jesus was and is the Son of God. He came to show us what God's like. These people, by the way, and by the way, we haven't seen Him. And some of us would say, yeah, we, 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 we believe that. We believe Jesus is who He says He is. He's He's the Son of God, He's the representation of the Father. These 12 had spent three and a half years living, breathing, eating, sleeping, praying, listening, talking with, three and a half years. And this is when Philip said this, Lord, (laughs) like, uh, we didn't get any of this, but just show us the Father. Jesus just finished saying, you've seen the Father because you've seen me. Just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied. I mean, it's almost like, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does His work through me. Jesus drops the mic. They all look around and say to each other, oh, I get it now. You're God in a bod. We've been living with you, listening to you, eating with you, following you around, talking with you, praying with you, seeing you do miracles for three and a half years. Okay, thank you for your patience this evening. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you, Jesus, for double-clicking on this stuff. We finally get it. All right, brilliant. Questions asked and answered. However, 
if you read on, you will see for yourself, they still didn't get it. Jesus was arrested because one of them betrayed him, just like he said was gonna happen. Jesus was put to trial and convicted of crime he didn't commit. Killed on a stick, put in a tomb, and the 12, 11, just kind of went back to their Clark Kent jobs that they were doing before Jesus scooped them up. They didn't get it. <laughs> they had been with Jesus for three and a half years. They still didn't get it until one day that same man that they had seen arrested, that they knew had been killed and put inside a tomb, appeared to them. And suddenly they got it. And those same men, along with the other early followers of Jesus, including women, were responsible for ensuring that the message of Jesus was written, captured in the first 100 years since Jesus' death. John was one of them. And you think, well, how do we know what John and Matthew and Mark, how do we know it's true? I don't have time to unpack this, but one of the reasons when you read the, 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 the biographies of Jesus by these guys, one of the reasons that we know it's true is because the disciples look like absolute morons every time they mention themselves. Nobody writes about themselves that way. They would have put themselves up as heroes or they would have thrown all the other 11 under the bus. Well, I didn't make that mistake. And so at the end of the day, John's recorded this whole interchange which reminds us of the reasons, one of the reasons for the seasons that it's like father, like son. So I want to, uh, give you a little bit of homework. You know, Christmas is busy. We get all that. We're... One of the things I like to do uh, in the sort of, I don't, I don't take a holiday, but you know, a couple of days of just slowing down a bit. Uh, one of the things I like to do, I like to do a jigsaw puzzle. So I've already got a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, Louis buys them for me to sort of just keep me out of the way. Um, so I've already got a jigsaw puzzle. And uh, if you come to our home for a meal over the next uh, month, you'll be eating around the jigsaw puzzle and be expected to contribute. Nobody eats without putting 100 pieces in place. Um, but the other thing I, I like to do is I like to, I like to read. Just, you know, and I don't mean like social media. I mean like a book, book. Uh, one of the things I, I just want to just throw out there um, to just consider over the next December, January, this, the next, we're in it, this December, January period, is maybe just, maybe try reading John's gospel. You know, don't, don't, not in one day, just like a couple of months, you know. Maybe just read that and just, just allow yourself to get a clearer picture of who God is by getting a clearer picture of who Jesus is. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. 
For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.